Dating Skills Review The central source for dating advice for men presents Dating Groove Insider. Uh, hey, this is Angel, Dating Skills Review. Today we're with Cajun from Love Systems. Hey, Cajun. Yo, how's it going? All right, man. Okay, so, you know, Cajun, you, you've been around a long time. You've been with Love Systems a long time. When did you join exactly? Um, I actually came into it around 2006 uh, is when I met uh, Ten Magnet, who's another one of the instructors. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he got me to, uh, he convinced me to go to a seminar near the end of 2006, and I, I did that, and then ended up helping him out in a couple months near the end. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I officially came on the roster in early 2007, um, but uh, by 2006 I was already kind of involved. So since then, so quite a while. Okay, great, great. And, you know, pretty quickly after that, um, you, you're, you're well known for the where you appeared on a TV show in a contest, uh, a kind of like a pickup contest, which was keys to the VIP. That was that was around that period, or? That was in 2008, I believe, yeah. Okay. And, you know, give us a bit of context. How did that happen, you know, and, like, how did it go? And yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny, I guess it's a funny and kind of interesting story in that I didn't, um, they had came to me, uh, they had come to me wanting me to do the show because mm-hmm. um, they had heard that I was a, you know, a, a, a love system instructor in Toronto and that's where the show was filmed. And um, the timing when they wanted to do it, I actually couldn't do it because I was away during uh, doing a seminar out of mm-hmm. the country. And um, and so I recommended they use my cousin, who was also sort of at the time kind of in, into the same sort of stuff, and you know did reasonably well. So they they did. They went along with uh, with, with uh, getting him on the show. When mm-hmm. they actually did decided to film it, um, it ended up being a different date. So I was actually free that weekend. So I actually came along just sort of as moral support for uh, my cousin Mitch. Wow. And, and uh, yeah, so I wasn't I wasn't even supposed to be on it. So I, I went there, and they had this other guy that was with him that were, they were competing against each other. And the other guy wasn't doing so well in the sense that I guess he was kind of creeping girls out. And um, so the producer came to me, because I was there, because, uh, like I said, I was there for moral support, and mm-hmm. they, were giving, they were giving me free drinks because I was helping out and stuff. So uh, I was around, and they just came to me at around midnight, um, after they'd been filming already for about an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and, and said, hey, listen, we're not going to have a very good show. Um, would you mind, uh, you know, putting the mics on and, and trying this out? And I said, I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I'll, I'll, I'll go for it, you know, whatever you guys need. And so they did that. So around midnight, they mic'd me up and then said, okay, we need you, we need at least three sort of approaches that we can put on the show. Yeah. So I ended up doing four in the next hour, and three of those are the ones you see on the show. Excellent. So, yeah, so it was uh, it was fun, and uh, and like I said, it was one of those things where you know a lot of guys, especially in the industry they work in, are like, oh my god, that must have been so stressful, you know, to think yeah. that you have to do well and you could, it could make or break you. But the thing is, um, I w- didn't have much time to think about it. I was just sort of there, and they said, let's mic up, and I just went and did it. So mm. it wasn't really that stressful because, like I said, I was already there talking to people the whole night. So it was just more like now they're going to record me. Um, so, uh, but yeah, it was really fun, and you know, like I guess uh, if you saw the video, it, it turned out really well. So, no regrets there. Yeah, it must have must have been a bowl of fun. Well, I guess it's kind of are you, you already doing boot camps at that time. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a tiny bit of pressure, you know, when you got the students watching you, and, and then right. it's for the same reason, it's got to work out, right? Um, for, yeah. For the obvious reasons. So, um, but yeah, on live, uh, t- uh, no, it wasn't live, right? It was, but it's on national TV. It's it's right. like a big thing. So yeah, after, well, uh, after that, I mean, is is there any kind of backlash or anything like people recognizing you in the street or anything like that? Yeah, actually, more than you think. I always I always complain or not complain. I guess I, I always kind of joke about it that I'm I, I'm internet famous, but only amongst lonely men. Which <laughs> that's that's not so bad. Yeah, yeah. So and but it does happen. I do get recognized quite a bit, especially in Toronto, um, New York. I get recognized quite a bit, and then L.A. God, whenever I go to L.A., it's almost like I, I know what it feels like to be somewhat of a celebrity there, just because it doesn't matter where I go. There's always at least you know a dozen or two dozen guys in the in the in the club or wherever I'm at that recognize me and you know want to come say hi. So it's I always I mean I like it. I usually get lots of free drinks and stuff out of it. So it's it's uh, it's beneficial. It's too bad that women don't really recognize me, but that's all right, I guess. Uh, in this case, I guess it's probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it is, especially. So, um, but no, it's uh, it's great. I like it, and um, it's toned down, I think, a bit now since because it's been a couple of years since it's come out. So, I'm in, uh, I'm enjoying my anonymity a bit more. But uh, yeah, and when isn't I? I think I heard that one of the other level systems instructors was going to be on Keys to the VIP. 
He was, yeah. Biscuit was uh, was on it as well. Uh, okay, it was about two years ago. Yeah. Mm. That's he's a he's a French French guy, right? He is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's French Canadian. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, good. All right, so now I just, you know, I want to segue into some of the the, the, the the meat of the interview. So, like, one of the uh, video DVD programs that you were on recently with Love Systems uh, that they just launched was Beyond Words, and it's all about body language and physical escalation. Uh, right. Yeah, could you talk about, like, kind of some of the, the coolest things um, that you felt you put out there on, on that one? Yeah, well, it's it, it's it's good stuff because it's about I think it's like eight or nine hours of content on the wow. on the DVD. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the good thing about it is that um, uh, the the guys that, that I did it with, so there was me and there was Versetti, mm-hmm. um, and um, and Mr. M sort of was the producer behind, behind the whole thing. Then we have guest um, guest spots by uh, Keychain and Five Point yeah. and uh, I think that's it. Anyway, um, the cool thing about it is that. One, Versetti is a, he's like a, a classically trained Shakespearean actor. So a lot of the stuff that he was going over were, are actually sort of exercises and stuff they do in theater training in order to sort of fix uh, fundamental body language problems or um, things that have to do with, um, you know, posture. And like, there's the Alexander technique, if you know what that is, which is right. sort of learning, learning how to, like, uh, you know, posture and, and speaking from this, um, this position and stuff. So there's lots of good stuff on there that it's, it's not just sort of, I guess pick up centric, uh, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. more along the lines of these are things that people have been thinking about for hundreds of years that are proven to work. Right. Um, the stuff that I kind of got onto, got into. I'm, I'm an actor as well. I'm not yeah. classically trained like Versetti is, but mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that I've talked about had roots uh, or have roots in acting as well. So things like subtext, for instance, which I, I go into quite a bit on the DVD. Mm-hmm. It is something that I think is probably the most. Um, like I always say now, it's probably the biggest thing for, in terms of, um, maybe not necessarily for beginners, but guys that want to get really good, subtext is essentially all what it is, In order, like if you ask me. Because mm. um, it's essentially what you're communicating outside of your words, which is, you know, predominantly the majority of what you're communicating. Um, especially with women who tend to communicate on these, you know, subtextual levels where it's not really what they're saying, it's what with what they're they're thinking or what they're meaning by what they're saying. Okay, so like you know, just just so people know what we're talking about, let's sure. let's think about a concrete example. What what would be in a situation where there's some subcontext uh, subtext going on? Right. Okay. So the classic example. This one isn't really something that has to do with anything you really hear in a bar, but yeah. I mean, if you ever had a girlfriend, um, you've probably heard this enough times where you'll say, you know, maybe she looks upset or something, and you say, oh, you know, babe, what's wrong? Are you, are you upset? And she says, No, I'm not upset. Okay, well, the subtext there is, one, she's saying she's not upset, but obviously she is upset because that's what she's, you know, trying to communicate by the way that she said it. Maybe her body language will depend mm-hmm. on what she said. Things like that. When it comes into sort of um, in the bar and meeting strangers and, and having conversations, it literally comes down to what are you thinking when you say what you say? So what are you thinking? A lot of guys, when they start off, they're thinking, I really hope this works. I really hope I don't get blown out. Yeah. Or I really hope she likes me. And the problem is, when you actually think that, you actually end up communicating that. Um, it's it's not that people can you know know what you're thinking at all times. I think I imagine that's a, a source of a lot of anxiety among amongst guys that think that is literally true. Mm. It's not really true. But what is true is that your intentions and your thoughts um, actually go into the words that you say, regardless if they have anything to do with what your thoughts or intentions are. They mm-hmm. still get communicated. So it kind of comes down to what are you thinking in your head when you say what you say. I go over some exercises in order to, um, you know, fix that, in order to change those negative beliefs you may have in your head and how you're transferring those with, with the words you're, 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 that you're saying. Um, it, I imagine it is difficult hearing this, especially when I'm saying it now, to be like, well, you know, Cajun, that's great, but how the hell do I change what I'm thinking in my head if I'm literally um, scared or I'm quite literally worried about what the, um, the consequences may be of what, you know, what I'm saying. Mm. And, and I understand that. And I went through the, kind of the same issues when I first started doing this stuff. So I do have these exercises you can do in order to, um, to change your, uh, your beliefs about the context of what you're saying. And so I'll, I'll actually go over one right now, if you don't mind. That would be great. Um, yeah. One of the ones I used to do, and this may sound a little bit, um, uh, I guess funny. Uh, I used to think to my, and I just think, uh, think to myself in my head, what if the girl that I'm talking to had a big piece of bird shit on her face and didn't realize that it was there? And so I, I just sort of do this as an exercise in my head where I think, if I was talking to somebody who had a big piece of bird shit on their face and, I, and they didn't know it was there, how would that change the way that I talk to them? 
how that changed sort of the way that I'm, I'm, I'm saying what I'm saying. And let's say that I can't tell them. Let's say that I can't, you know, let them mm-hmm. look at the mm-hmm. on the face. Well, how would you talk to someone that had a big piece of, you know, shit on their face? You wouldn't really be able to take anything they said seriously. Um, and you'd almost have this sort of, uh, I guess not aloofness, but this sort of, like, you get a joke that she doesn't get, I guess, kind of, uh, kind of um, attitude in sort of this, this subtext of what you're saying. That's actually a quite attractive subtext when you think about it, because women, for the most part, essentially want to figure us out. They want to know, it's not because they're trying to figure out necessarily, you know, their, our secrets or our intentions and things like that. I mean, they are. But what it really comes down to is they want to know what the sort of, the meaning behind what we're saying is. So if a guy's talking, they want to know, okay, is he hitting on me? Or is he just being friendly? Is he being sincere? Does he just want to get in my pants and he's just faking this, you know, this, this friendliness? What is going on in his head? And women are very good at figuring that out. And it's, it's beneficial to them. So when you can sort of paint the subtext of what you're saying as if to say, I get a joke you don't get, they're gonna want to. They're gonna want to know what that joke is, and they're gonna want to be. They're gonna be more interested in speaking to you because they're gonna want to know why is this guy saying it like this? Why is he? What is this smirk for? What does he know that I don't know? This is intriguing. This is interesting. I want to. I want to talk to him more so I can figure this out. Now I always say, the joke that you that you get that they don't get on the surface in your head you may be thinking, well, she has birds in her face, which or, or whatever you want to believe, but in, in the long run the joke that you get that she doesn't get is that she's attracted to you. That's the joke. Um, and so it, it sort of pays off in the end when she finally realizes that, okay, maybe she's talked to you long enough to maybe, you know, she is attracted to you now. Well, that's the joke. Um, so there's, there's these things you can do. That's just one example. Um, in order to change uh, the subtext of what you're saying. The best example I can always give is to watch any sort of early Marlon Brando movie. Marlon Brando is amazing at subtext. In, in fact, he pretty mm-hmm. much invented the whole idea of adding subtext to acting with the, the method acting movement. And what he would do, essentially, I always end up getting into these long diatribes with Marlon Brando, so I'm going to try to catch myself here. In a <laughs> but um, but he was he was sort of the uh, groundbreaking in the sense that he acted a whole, or he um, introduced a whole new level of acting uh, when he started doing this stuff because you, it wasn't so transparent as acting was before. It became almost, uh, you couldn't really understand where his emotions were coming from. They were coming from such a true place. That mm. it, was, um, it, was almost, it was almost hard to not become you know, infatuated with his performances, especially his early ones, when he usually played these very charismatic characters. So I recommend anyone uh, watch early Marlon Brando. The Wild One is a good example, but even his more popular ones, Streetcar Named Desire and um, On the Waterfront and stuff like that, those are all excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so, like, like for people who want to know the technical stuff behind this, uh, so is it, so you're saying this came, this comes from method acting? And essentially, that's where I got it from. I'm not saying okay. that, you know, all the other people that, that end up doing this took it from that, but that's what I got it from, and that's what I found the most beneficial mm-hmm. and the most, um, you know, it works It works the best for me. And from what I've been teaching other guys, it seems to work as well for them too. So it's more of a, a matter of understanding the concept and, and being able to sort of, like I always say, having the ability to believe your own bullshit will work wonders for, um, you know, for essentially having the skills to, you know, seduce. Um, because it really does come down to have being in control of what you're thinking, uh, and if you can, if you can sort of almost not brainwash yourself, but if you can uh, trick yourself into having these uh, facetious beliefs that are beneficial, uh, that's going to work for you very well in the long run. Great, great. So when we're talking about you know body language, it, it, is this the approach you've taken to it? It's kind of from like work from the inside to get the response, get what you want on the outside communicated. Yeah, because that's, I mean, you can't, you can't pantomime your way through um, a, like, a seduction with, with uh, you know, a seduction scenario with a woman. It's just not going to, there literally, there needs to be a, a core belief there that's, that's th- these movements and these things are emanating from. Otherwise, it's going to seem very, very sort of scripted and forced, mm-hmm. mechanical. Um, so, and this is one of, the, I think, one of the fundamental problems with guys that get into this is they actually think that it's a formula. And essentially, there is a formula aspect to it, but for the most part, these things that, that, that make up this formula all have to come from real emotions, because if they don't, it's going to be totally transparent. They're going to be able to read you like a book. They're going to know that your, 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 um, your beliefs aren't in tune with your intentions, or I, I suppose your actions are not in tune with your beliefs or your, you know, intentions. So it's, there's, there's a certain degree of truth and sincerity, but there's also a degree of that sincerity has to come from a place that's beneficial. 
it doesn't help to be sincere about your intentions if your intentions are, I'm scared and I want to trick you into, you know, liking me. That's not going to work. Um, you do have to have this sort of, uh, I guess, truth, but the truth needs to come from a beneficial place. There needs to be a beneficial truth. So it has to be, yes, I like you. Yes, I want to sleep with you, and I'm not scared, mm-hmm. and, I don't care, and I don't care if you know that. And I'm willing to be upfront and honest with you because I don't really care if you know or not because I'm, I'm honest with my intentions. Mm-hmm. So and that's a lot of guys don't realize that, but that's actually very attractive. Women aren't turned off by men that are that want them. They're turned off by men that want them and try to hide it or try to try to trick them into thinking, you know, hiding it or trick them into thinking that it's not true when, when in fact it is. Because we're a hell of a lot more transparent than guys think we really are. We're, mm-hmm. we're, quite, we're quite easy to read. Um, so it's not a matter of hiding those things. It's a matter of finding a way to communicate those in a way that's beneficial. You know, you know, this is interesting because I, I think, you know, love systems is seen as one of the more technical, uh, approaches to, to pick up and dating, you know, out there, you know, if you read like, uh, like the magic bullets and things like that, it's a quite a structured structured method. So could you talk a little bit about how, how this interplays with all of that and how it fits together? Sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, the the structure is there because, uh, for guys just getting into this, there are sort of structural things that they need to focus on when they first get started. It's the most appealing, I think, to a mainstream sort of, especially male, uh, logical audience, which is, I think the predominantly what makes up our, our, uh, our core audience. Mm -hmm. So those things obviously are going to help them a hell of a lot more than any sort of I mean, I could talk about, and I, I do talk about, you know, subtext and these the sorts of things I've been talking about during the course of a seminar, yeah. but it all, hap- it all happens on the second or third day, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, because on the first day, I'm going to focus on the sort of fundamental core concepts. They're going to help them the most, depending on where they are and where they're coming from. Um, there are certain things you need to know that are going to, you know, stab you in the, stab you in the foot way before you need to think about subtext. Excuse me. So things like having the, the your basic body language skills when it comes to how you're going to approach them, mm-hmm. or the types of logistical problems that will come up that you can foresee if you know these sort of fundamental rules that you're going to be able to sort of overcome without having to deal with those. So those are essentially very much more important in, in the beginning than any of these things I've just been talking about. But in the long run, once you, once you actually get those things uh, down, this is where you go from being, I can have a conversation with a girl in a bar, or maybe I can get a number, to being... I can go home with a girl any night if I wanted to, or I can attract any girl I talk to um, if I, you know, once, once you have these things down. So that's the biggest difference, I think, is if you want to just be able to, if you're coming from a place where I, you know, piss myself just thinking about going out to the bar, well then yes, you need to start, you need to focus on these fundamental sort of core, um, uh, these core sort of rules and, and, um, and, uh, and it's the framework that we, we cover in Magic Bullets that we cover in, in the seminar as well. Mm-hmm. But once you get that sort of down, you need to start working on these other things that are going to actually help you uh, achieve the sort of, I think, lofty aspirations that most guys tend to come in here with, um, which is really the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, I think, the, the core difference, I think, is that it comes from a, a place of being able to get decent and being able to get, you know, uh, excellent or, um, you know, to a place where you can actually feel like, wow, this is a, this is what the place that I never thought I'd be able to get to. And now I'm, I'm getting snippets of it. I'm, I'm getting pieces of this and being, you know, before long it's, you're there and it's, you know, a couple of weeks have gone by or months and you're like, wow, I'm exactly the guy that I've always wanted to be. or always thought myself one day becoming, hmm. and that's, that's a good feeling. So that's, that's, that's what I try to you know, for my own personal journey that, where I've gone through that, that's the sort of things that I like to impart is that mm-hmm. you can do this and it is possible. You can go from being the geeky sort of um, uh, uh, awkward guy that doesn't know how to talk to anyone to being someone who can, you know, take his pick. And I think that's something that is that is worth talking about since I think it's, a, it's something a lot of guys don't realize is possible. Yeah, so it's, it sounds like uh, you know, just like step back a second. It sounds like you know, you you, could, you continue to have that kind of over, overlaying structure to use you for guidance, you know, in what right. you're doing. But this is at a like it's a much lower level of detail, um, I, I, in, in a way. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, our our sort of fundamentals are are. I mean, they are very detailed. Um, but the thing is, is that we're, we we structured that for guys that are coming in from a place of 
no knowledge of, of what we teach, essentially, right? A lot of the stuff that I tend to talk about, like on interviews and stuff, mm-hmm. are things that sort of like the bleeding edge of what I've been thinking about recently in terms of uh, seduction and, and, and how to teach it. So yep. a lot of the time when I give interviews, I'm not going to go over sort of the fundamental stuff that we've been teaching um, the past few years that are in our, you know, like in Magic Bullets and that are in our seminars and stuff, just because, I, I don't know, I feel it's more interesting to talk about the bleeding edge type stuff, because that's just, you know, what I tend to be concentrating on and thinking about most of the time. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to take any credence away from the, uh, the, the fundamentals, because they are fundamentals for a reason, you know, so... <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Okay, so the other aspect of the program, as I understand it, I haven't, I haven't watched it yet, is um, physical escalation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what, what does that come down to? Uh, physical escalation, yeah, I mean, it essentially comes down to, um, this is usually like, there's several types of anxiety that you run into when, in the course of, uh, um, you know, uh, seducing someone. There's the approach anxiety, of course, when you when you first have to get up the nerve to talk to them, then you have sort of the uh, the, es- the physical escalation anxiety, which is essentially the anxiety that you feel when you're when you have to escalate things from being a friendly conversation into being something a bit more, something more flirty, mm-hmm. uh, something more even romantic or sexual in the long run. And then, of course, you just you know, for curiosity's sake, if you wonder, the last anxiety you get is usually sexual uh, anxiety. But for uh, physical escalation, it usually comes down to there's there's a structure to this. In the sense that you're going to go from um, certain sort of you, you're going to be touching a girl differently from when you first meet her, uh, and then once you get to know her a little bit more, you're going to touch her a bit differently, and then once you some flirtatious behavior has been exerted and there's been some uh, you know flirty dialogues between you, it's going to escalate again. Mm-hmm. It usually follows uh, like I always teach it goes from friendly to flirty to romantic and then to sexual. Mm-hmm. Now, there's different types of things you're going to do in each one of those categories. So, for instance, a friendly way to talk to someone and to touch someone would be something, like a good rule of thumb is anything you could do to a guy and he wouldn't think you're gay yeah. is, is, is good for friendly. So these are things like shoulder touches or, you know, like high fives mm-hmm. or even to, to some extent putting your arm around someone. You know, you see guys do it sometimes with their, their friends. Um, they're like, oh, you know, my good buddy, look with arm around them. You can do that sort of stuff fairly early on. That kind of bleeds a little bit into flirty, but it's still within the realm of friendly. You get into flirty stuff, and then it sort of changes into something that you could realistically do to maybe all the girls in a group, but you'd really want to concentrate it on the one you kind of like. Um, So these are things like uh, flirty stuff would be any sort of friendly touch that has a prolonged sort of um, uh, uh, duration to it. So... If you're touching her shoulder before, well, you touch her shoulder, then let your arm, your hand graze off her arm as you as as you you know uh, retreat it, or as you as you take your hand back, or you um, put your like I guess yeah. So the arm around them would be more flirty. Um, any sort of thing that has to do with uh, touching their hands would be flirty. Um, any sort of thing like uh, the lower um, uh, what do you call it the the hips or the the small of the back. So touching them in those areas would be more flirty, um, and this is all sort of touch and go. So it's not you never want to like do this and keep your hand there. Yeah, like you, you wouldn't put your hand on the small of her back and just leave it there. Mm-hmm. You just do it and then you take it back, um, just to give her that feeling of like ooh, you know, he's being flirty or he's 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 escalating this. Um, and then you get into romantic where, and these are kind of self-explanatory. Romantic things obviously are things where the 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 context of what you guys I guess are or what you guys are 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 doing has sort of now been established. So you are both flirting with each other. So now it's 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 okay to go into romantic stuff, which would be sort of things where anything where you're touching your face or you're you're getting in close to each other. A kiss would be romantic, obviously, not a makeout, but just a kiss. Um, holding hands would be romantic. Sitting down, her hand is on your thigh or your hand is on her thigh, that'd be romantic. Uh, sitting down with your arm around her for a prolonged period would be romantic. Um, you know, staring each other into each other's eyes is, <laughs> is, uh, is uh, cliche as it sounds, so it would definitely be romantic. Um, so those would be romantic, and then sexual is sort of the stuff that doesn't necessarily happen too much in the in the club or the bar or the lounge. Um, a lot of that stuff tends to happen when you're alone with her in a place that where, um, you know, logistically sex could happen. 
So uh, these are things, of course, you know, making out obviously would be sexual. Um, any sort of like heavy petting and stuff like that um, where you're touching her body would be in a, in a sort of sexual way would be uh, obviously sexual. Um, so like I said, th- those are things that tend to happen outside of the bar. You can, you can get away with some of them in the bar depending on, you know, where you are in the bar, what kind of bar it is. Uh, but for the most part, that tends to be the escalation. So, and it follows that order, obviously, as well. So you want to, um, um, we always say, don't wait for a green light in terms of when you think you can get away with going forward with those, mm-hmm. those escalations. Look for the absence uh, of a red light. So you're not looking for green lights. You're looking for the absence of a red light. So you keep going until, essentially, she puts on a red light. And if she puts on a red light, okay, that's fine. Then you stop. Okay, so what, what's what's a red light? You know, because a, a lot of this is what's going to scare guys the most. You know, right, okay, right, what's right. going to happen? Right, a, re- a red light would be if she recoils or if she um, turns her body anyway from the touch, or she gives you sort of any any sort of negative look. Now, a negative look is something that is a little bit um, uh, it can be complicated because if it looks like she's she can't believe that you just touched her in the way that you did, that's not a red light. That's more of a um, I guess a yellow light, essentially. It's her questioning what you just did to see if you have the balls, I guess, to stand up with the action you just took. If it's, don't touch me, well, then that's obviously a red light. If it's, I can't believe you just did that, that's not a red light. That's more of a yellow light. And in which case, you have to stand up to what you just did mm. um, and not and not, not uh, go back on it because that's going to be a sign of weakness. Um, so red lights, they're, they're quite evident. You'll know it when you see it because you'll feel that pang of social anxiety and that pang of awkwardness. But it's okay. Never, I always say, um, you know, stroll through foreign territory like you own it. So it's not a matter of you being scared or apologizing for what you did. It's a matter of laughing it off or just smiling yeah. and then and then going back in, in the steps. So if it was maybe something flirty you did, mm-hmm. then you go back to doing friendly stuff. Um, friendly stuff is stuff that she can't get mad at you for doing friendly things because that's stuff that you would do to you know, your grandmother or any stranger you'd meet. It's not something you can really get called out on. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so you just take one step back, basically. Right, right. Right. So, so, so you know, I, I, I'm kind of interested. So what is kind of like the worst, you know, thing that's ever happened? The worst red light you ever got? Uh, you know, well, so guys have got like, oh, you know, a guy who's probably appro- approached like thousands of girls and, you know, yeah. um, what's the worst thing that has ever happened to him? A girl said, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> That's pretty harsh. Yeah, and the thing was, though, is when she said that, and I kind of gave her a weird look, because it was weird, because I had only touched her shoulder when it happened. It was only mm. a friendly touch. Yeah. Which is, I guess that is that is the worst thing that could happen, right? The Probably the scariest situation a guy can think of is the first thing he does, and he gets... Um, you know, called it like that. And, but what happened was, I just gave her a weird look. I said, "That's very socially weird that she did that," because it was. Yeah. And I looked. I looked at her friend, and I said, "I said, are you guys all? Is she all right?" And her friend kind of looked at me and, and very apologetically said, "Oh, it's okay. No, she just broke up with her boyfriend tonight." And I said, "Okay." Yeah. And then you know, and then I uh, and I left obviously because I knew that that was something that wasn't like it wasn't personal. It wasn't anything that had to do with me. She was just having a terrible night, and and that's you know that was a product. Of yeah, that, so. yeah, great. So what would be the subtext for that situation? Were you thinking like um, bird shit on her face, or were you thinking? No, the subtext was what you just did was very very rude. Yeah, and there must be a, lo- a reason for why you did that, and I want to know what it is. And so for me, the my the what I was thinking in my head was that was exceptionally rude, and you I hope you have a good reason for this. Otherwise, um, you're the most you know socially retarded person in this bar. Mm-hmm. So and that's and that's what I would treat them as if 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 she didn't have a good reason. In this case, she did kind of have a reason. You know, you know um, that's that's fair, I suppose. And she broke up her boyfriend, and she's feeling like that. I'm not going to take that personally. Yeah, I've uh, seen I've seen worse on YouTube. I've seen girls smash up Xboxes over that stuff. So you know, it's not so bad. Yeah, but. exactly, exactly. Yeah, I saw that video too. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good so, one. It was, but uh, but look, the thing is, you always have to ask yourself: Is she really? I mean, anyone in a bar, if you just talk to a girl in a bar, she doesn't know you. Mm-hmm. So nothing she says is going to be personal anyway. So you always have to think to yourself: There probably yeah. is a reason for this. Either she's having a bad night, or she's maybe she, maybe she's just a bitch. That could be a valid reason. Well, it, I mean, yeah, what you're saying is like really important because you know if you walk up to a girl and you've never seen her before and she does something like that to you, it's it's impossible that it has something to do with you. You know, unless right. unless you've been you know really weird about it, but you know you'd have to really go out of your way to do it. Yeah, exactly. I always tell you guys, if you know, if you're following my advice, the only way you're going to get blown out is if she's there's another fundamental problem with the, with the situation that doesn't have to do with you. 
So it's either the person's personality, or it's uh, some other uh, something um, you know event that's taken place, or something out of, out of your control. Because what we teach isn't it doesn't get those kinds of reactions. You know, it, it's structured in a way that that usually will never happen. If it does, it's not on your end; it's on their end. So it's uh, there, there. Really is you know, there really is no wrong you can you, you can do here if you're following the you know the proper sort of uh, rules. Yeah, and do you find that? The, the physical escalation aspect and the, you know, the, the physical aspect actually kind of varies a lot between girls. And, like, what I'm thinking of, like, you know, I, I've lived around a lot and I've, I've been in different cultures. Mm-hmm. And, well, I remember one situation, actually. This is, like, you know, probably 10 years ago. I was a management consulting. I was sitting opposite my, my client in a meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his assistants, uh, this cute girl, was sitting next to me. Mm-hmm. And... While I'm having this discussion with my client, um, her hands like slapping my my leg, right? And it's mm. kind of there. And in those days, I had no idea about this stuff. And honestly, the whole you know for the whole meeting, I was getting freaked out. And but that was in Spain, okay? Okay. And <laughs> you know, and that, and you know, afterwards, I, like because at that time, I don't, I just arrived in Spain. I hadn't been there that long, and. Now, I realized afterwards that, you know, like, touching is a, a very relaxed thing uh, over there, right? So, um, it wasn't necessarily that flirtatious. Yeah, a bit flirtatious, but I thought it was, like, really extreme, and it was kind of freaking me out, you know, like, throughout the whole meeting. Yeah. So, like, what do you got anything to say, like, about, like, the color, cultural dimensions of this, or... It, yeah. it, is worth, it is worth mentioning, yeah, because there are certain cultures that... Um, the social norms of what you can or what people do with with touching is a little bit different. I know a lot of um, like a lot of Asian, especially like in Japan, uh, it's it's very sort of uh, low key when it when it comes to touching. Yeah. Um, and and it's the thing is it's not to say that if you do do these things that I'm saying, I, I believe it's universal in the sense that you may run into some uh, some more I guess. Uh, barriers and more resistance with this stuff in certain cultures, but it's still working. I mean, it's not like it's not going to attract them, because it still will. It's just a matter of them being in a place where they either, A, um, they can do it without any sort of negative, uh, um, uh, you know, like their friends will see them or other people will see them that maybe they know. That has, like, a very strong sort of influence in terms of how she may, you know, the resistance that she may give you. Um, But for the most part, if she likes you, and she's in a, in a place where people won't be able to judge her. She'll it'll 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 work regardless of of, of the culture. Mm. Um, a, fr- a friend of mine once said the um, whenever he was he spent a time uh, some time in Japan, and he said he would he'd be talking to girls uh, in the bar and stuff, and nothing would happen in terms of physically until you know eventually they go back to his place and he'd turn around to pour a drink or turn on music and he'd turn back around and then she'd be naked. And and it's sort of that's the, the way it works, I guess. There is a sense that you don't do too much physical escalation in public. It's only once you get behind closed doors that these things sort of happen. So, um, there yeah, are certain, yeah, there are certain cultures like that. I'm actually interested to to uh, to to see how, how Spain would work if you said that that's sort of if touching is so much more um, socially normal to, to there. I always say with when, when it comes to touching, if a girl is overstepping what you think is the social norm in in terms of touching, then you always go to go a step further than that. So if a girl, like, in your situation was the Spanish girl under the table was slapping your leg, I would very nonchalantly take her hand and squeeze her hand. You just hold her hand or something like that to see what, see what she would do. Um, like, with situations like that, I, like I said, you, you always have to sort of take their cues and then go a step further. Yeah, yeah, and I think what your, your system of, like, moving forwards um, is, is great because, you know, you have to do that. You have to have that... Um that mindset. However, you know, you know, you see the, the part about stepping back is the way you can start calibrating in these cultural situations. Like, right. uh, you know, you Japanese, I mean, Japanese girls, for instance, you know, I, I know because I've, I've been out that way, but um, if you're holding her hand, it's like serious, it's on, you know? Oh, yeah. Whereas oh, yeah. in other places, you know, it's not a big deal, but you know, basically, like in other places, you say, okay, I've got, I'm, I'm kissing her, so now it's on, right? Um, but with a Japanese girl, if you're holding her hand, she's like, no, it's on, it's done, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it's just like these different 
I guess, barriers. Um, so it'd be interesting, like, uh, like, have you mostly been in Canada or the U.S. personally? or I've been, I've been all over. I've been to Japan. I've been to most of Europe and uh, mm. Australia, all over Australia. And I, the only place I haven't been to, um, there's some places in Europe I haven't been. I, like, I haven't been to Spain or South America. Mm. Um, well, Brazil's, I think Brazil's crazy. I haven't been out that way, but, you know, I think the social norms are probably the most extreme there in terms of uh, yeah, openness. Yeah. A lot of friends gone there, and they said that, I think it has to do with the fact that women outnumber men there, but women, women, um, seduce men there. They go, they hit on the guys. <laughs> I've heard about that too, yeah. Yeah, it'd be quite interesting to see that, so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's different, it's different all over, but the fundamental stuff, I think, remains the same. It's just a matter of, um, what you can get, a, get how early you can get away with certain things is usually the biggest difference. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, you know, we, we talked a bit about some of the anxieties, you, you know, you were just talking about um, that there's, like, big anxieties you come across, mm-hmm. like approaching anxiety, and then you've got physical escalation anxiety, you know, and I know, I know you've been doing a lot of thinking about that in connection with any game. Like, what, what kind of stuff have you been working on? Uh, yeah, yeah, the thing is, like, I always wonder, because uh, I, 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 I come from the same place that I think a lot of guys getting into this came from, where it was very, very hard, uh, very difficult for me to go out um, in the beginning um, because it's so sort of um, your experiences when you first start are so laden with with negative sort of uh, you know experiences that this anxiety tends to come up quite a bit because that that fear of oh you know bad things may happen or something socially embarrassing may happen uh, that that does tend to happen quite a bit especially for someone like me who didn't have <laughs> sort of these um, this advice to go on I literally got good by literally going through every sort of negative situation you could possibly imagine. Um, the thing for me, though, is that I, I think that most men sort of live their lives in quiet desperation mm. in the sense that they believe that one day they'll, they'll get good at whatever it is they believe they'll get good at. So let's say in this case it's, it's talking to women. I think all men sort of believe, oh, you know, one day I'll, I'll be good or one day I'll, I'll, I'll get good at that. But the thing is, and this is true for anything else they, they tend to aspire towards, they never actually go out and tend to go after these things. They just stay in this, like I said, this sort of this sense of quiet desperation. And they have hope, but hope isn't really good enough. You you have to act on these things. I always say that um, you should start being the guy that you see yourself being in 10 years. I usually, in my, my workshops, I get them to write a list. On the left, I tell them, write down the um, the five things you spend the most time doing in in a, in a day. Mm-hmm. Whether it be your job, or maybe playing video games, or hobbies, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other side, I want you to write down the five things that in five to 10 years from now you will be, you will have done, like, covered. It could be personality traits. It can be sort of, um, it could be, you know, you know, goals when it comes to monetary goals or professional goals. It can be anything. But five things you want, you can see yourself, you know, the most ideal version of you having accomplished in, you know, in five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And obviously the two lists are very different, you know. Um, they probably don't have anything in common in terms of the one on the left they spend most of their time doing. It has nothing to do with the things they want to accomplish. Maybe their job would be the only one that maybe has to do with it. And so I tell them they need to start taking the things from the right list and one at a time filling them in on the left list. So you should start spending at least a portion of your day, maybe the fifth most, um, you know, the fifth thing on the, the number five thing you spend the most time doing, well, replace that with one of the things that you want to accomplish in the next five to ten years. Or just spend time working towards that. It's the only way you're going to be able to do it. It doesn't just happen. So you should start becoming the man that you see yourself being. Um, and this is, happens on, on a day-to-day basis. Like some of the things that I've always wanted to be that I, I had to start actively um, uh, sort of conquering was, for me, it was I want to be fearless was one of them. I wanted to be um, uh, sort of like... Being able to take any girl from, you know, pick any girl in a bar and know that I could, I could, you know, seduce her or attract her at the very least. Um, and then there's other ones that are a bit more, I guess, personalized for me, like being able to, I'd like to be able to learn how to ride a horse and swing a sword and speak several languages and appreciate fine scotch and all these other things that I sort of associate with yeah. this ideal version of me in 10 years. And I'm working towards those as well. But for the most part, any situation that comes up um, in the regular course of my day where I can prove to myself that I'm getting better at that or that I can I can do that, then I'll always do it. Sometimes it means standing up for myself. Sometimes it means, you know, if a guy's pissing you off, tell him. If you think a girl's hot, tell her. Um, we have this game that the um, the other instructors and I play that called mm-hmm. Tell Her, where if we're <laughs> doing something and a guy says, oh, man, sounds fun. Yeah, you know what this one is, eh? You no, know, yeah, it's the same. It sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds fun, yeah. So you say, uh, 
Yeah. So the, the people that don't know, though, if you go and you're walking with your buddies and you say, oh, my God, that girl's so hot, mm-hmm. your friend's going to say, tell her. And you have to go and tell her. So, um, you know, or, oh, man, that, you know, that guy, that, that guy, the grocery store is really rude. What an asshole. Tell him. You know, you have, you have to do these things. And it's, it's, it works on sort of your ability to deal with fear. I think that we teach guys how to, um, uh, you know, social skills and how to, how to attract women. But I think what we really teach is how to deal with fear, which is essentially what, what it comes down to. You know, I've had guys that um, have been in the military that come uh, to my course and they say, I'm more comfortable sitting in my tent with mortar shells firing around me than I am being in a bar having to talk to a girl. Mm. That's, a, that's a really messed up belief. That's really messed up that that, that fear can, can you know, drive them to such, to such lengths. So... For the most part, it's dealing with fear, and um, if you can do this on a daily basis where you have to literally sort of um, deal with your own sort of insecurities, your own fears, after a while, you become numb to them. You become, it almost becomes uh, addicting in, 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 mm. in the sense that it becomes something you want to do. It's fun to sort yeah. of overcome your own fears. So. And, and this is, I mean, this is a great subject even for beginners because I, I think what happens with some beginners is that they start hearing some of this stuff and they think it sounds a bit too, uh, how would you say, high level, abstract, kind of like airy fairy, and um, because they're, they're looking for something more concrete. But I, I think in many cases, it's actually this stuff far more than anything else that holds them back eventually. Yeah, I, I think guys take a very logical approach to this, and that's fine because there is a sort of a very logical and fundamental rules to it. Mm. But in the long run, it's you're not dealing with a logical sort of game; you're dealing with an emotional game. Yeah, and that's what that's what life is. It's 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 you know it's a series of uh, of um, well, it's a series of, of emotional sort of um, uh, I guess challenges. Mm-hmm. What it comes what it comes down to, and you ask anyone who's gotten successful at anything. What, whether it be sports, whether it be very logical things, there is a, a, an emotional aspect to it. Even athletes that say, you know, like um, uh, like uh, Olympic athletes, and even ones that compete at the, the very high level of sports, they'll say, you know, like Michael Jordan, I think, is, is maybe quoted as saying this, but a lot of Olympic athletes have said it too, is they know they're gonna, whether or not they're going to win the race before they even start the race. Right, right. And, because you can, you can, you know, get them the logic side of it in terms of they exercise more than anybody else and they, mm-hmm. they have the fastest, you know, lap times and stuff. But it doesn't matter because when you get into it, that race, it really comes down to a head thing. It comes down to an emotional thing. Right. It comes down to what you truly feel in that, in that, uh, in that race. Yes, um, that's, that's definitely so true. I don't know if you've read it, but uh, if you've read Agassi's uh, autobiography, it's called Open. Uh, no, that whole book is the perfect illustration of... You know, basically, the whole game is in a game. Um, yeah. Every before every match, he's like, "I'm in this kind of state. I'm feeling this." Oh, sure enough, you know, I lost. Yeah. Uh, and then in the next one, he's like, "Yeah, I'm feeling good." Boom. You know, um, and it, it all works out. So it's, you know, it's a great book for getting insights into that. Yeah, there is. There's another one. I think it's, it's very similar to that one. I think was the um the I think the, it's called the inner game of tennis or the um mm. something like that. It's something to do with like, I think it's called the the inner game of tennis. I believe is what it's called, and it's sort of the same fundamental. Um, rules is that they, literally how you how, how you perceive um, any sort of activity about to happen how you perceive it happening literally has a, a direct effect on, um, on on what happens it's was it uh, Werner Heisenberg the uh, founder of the uncertainty principle in quantum physics said that the path only only exists once it's observed um, and, and this is sort of true in quantum right. physics in the sense that only once you believe something can happen does it truly ever be able to happen um, and that, that, that belief is, is usually what, what, what creates the path. Right, right. So, and this, is, this has to do with the most, you know, the most fundamental rules of, of reality, I think is what, what it comes down to. So there, there are things that, um, uh, you know, and like you said earlier, this airy-fairy sort of stuff, and it, it, to a certain extent, coming from a place of just starting this, it may sound like that, but the thing mm-hmm. is, once you get the fundamentals covered, this is literally what it comes down to every single night. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to control your your mood and your mindset is um, this is why I talk I like to talk about subtext so much because I, I believe this is what it literally comes down to um, is be able to change your state uh, is that's that's the biggest difference for me what I see on, on on a regular basis with guys and with myself included comes down to those sort of things the beliefs I have about what the you know what what I believe is happening in my mind yeah so so like you know you're talking about focusing on the, these kind of improvements daily, right? So you have your list. Um, how do you keep them front of mind? So, you know, there's lots of distractions in our lives. 
And you know, how did how did you approach it when you wanted to change some of these things in a, in a practical, you know, I, I, I want to keep this in mind. One of the examples, you know, that you gave us is, is good is the tell tell her tell me uh, uh, tell him game, um, where basically you kind of set it up with your friends to to support you in developing that attitude, right? So right. it's constantly getting bounced back at you, um, and you're not, you know, even if you get distracted, it still gets pushed back at you. Are there yeah. any other examples, like practical examples of stuff you've done? Yeah, the, like the ones that, like the ones that I, I tend to do the most are any sort of situation where it comes up where I think that in hindsight I may say, I wish I would have done that, I wish I would have said that, I wish that would have happened. I'll always take that risk, and and in the moment if I can, and if if I can't. If, like, let's say I don't think of what to say or I don't, you know, remind myself in that moment, afterwards, when that feeling does come up where I say, oh, shit, I wish I would have did this, I wish I would have said mm-hmm. that, the next time that situation comes up, I will I will do that every single time. And and you'll fail. You will fail, um, especially when you first start. And um, you, you will fail, and th- that's just sort of the nature of the game. But the next time you do it, it may not be as bad. So, I mean, the first time you do it, you'll fail miserably. The next time you do it, you know, it won't be as bad because you have experience doing it. It won't be as scary. You won't have the same apprehension or the same uncertainty because you've already done it once. You already have a little bit of knowing what may happen. So you do it a little bit different that time, and maybe it doesn't work out quite as bad. Mm-hmm. And then you get a little bit more confidence. So the next time you do it, you do it again, and, and you, 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 you learn, literally, how to do these things in a way that works. Mm-hmm. The, brain just, the brain works like that. Whether it's, you're conscious of it or not, it'll, make these, it'll, it'll build these sort of... Um, uh, you know, these neural networks in your brain to know what to do in a certain situation to avoid social embarrassment and to avoid uh, fear and to avoid negative consequence. It's just a, the way the human brain works. Mm. So wh- whether you're thinking of it or not, you'll always do that. So that's something that I do on a regular basis is I, I'll always I'll always um, uh, take these risks in the sense that I'll say, this is worth, like the person that I want to be would not put up with this or would not you know, deal with this way that I'm, I'm dealing with. Right, so right. I, I, I need to change that. And the only way to change that, I can't live with myself unless I change it. So it will get you into trouble, no doubt. Mm-hmm. It will get you into trouble, and you will get into trouble. Um, so, like, what kind of emotion is behind that? Because, you know, I think, you know, can hear your words, right? Um, this isn't the person I want to be. Um, but I, I guess what's more important is also, like, the emotions people have behind that, which enables them to then act. You know, so they're saying, like, this isn't a person I want to be, but, you know, how, how do you think, is there, is there some particular way you have to feel in order to then act on that and, and step up and make, make it happen? You literally have to take, um, you, you have to sit down with yourself and tell yourself, am I happy with the person that I am right now? Mm. And the person that I want to be, is it worth the trouble I have to go through to become that person? Mm. And if it's not, then there's nothing really I can do for you. Right. Um, because it, it's it's not it's not easy. It's hard. It's very very hard. There's a reason that guys that have become good at pretty much everything else in life still come to guys like me and other instructors of their company to get advice on this because it's fucking hard. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever you know you'll ever do is to be able to sort of. I'm not just talking about being good with women. I'm just talking about being able to stand up in any situation mm-hmm. and be the person that you, you want to be. That guy inside. It's mm-hmm. really fucking difficult. And once you get good at that. God, the sky's the limit. You know, being good with women is the, the, the least important thing. You'll, you'll find that you can get good at this. It comes down to sort of being the man that you, like I said, the man you've always wanted to be, the one that you see that, you know, in movies and shit, or the maybe your dad or the guys, the men you worship in your life. Um, it comes down to being that guy. And so you just have to ask yourself, is it worth it? And if, I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it's not easy, and it's going to be tough, very tough. The hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and I'm not even really there yet, so... Um, you know, it's a work in progress, but uh, for the most part, it just starts. It starts a little, little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't do it overnight. You just have to start, start the small stuff and work your way up. So I guess you know, com- coming back to kind of like the boot camp and where you get involved with this uh, with, with students, uh, like to what extent do do you think you know boot camps are like an emotional journey? Like people come there obviously a lot of the time. Uh, with different reasons, uh, but you know, one of them, you know, maybe like you know, they w- they want to see someone like do the demonstrations, or right. or you know, they actually want to learn all the details of the method. Um, how often do you think it kind of comes down to more of a, like an emotional journey, something something more like this? 
I think uh, I would like to say 100. percent If I don't think like if the guys that I, that come to my seminar are not fundamentally changed by the end of the weekend, I feel like I failed as a teacher because one of the things that I like to teach is that the life they've been living their whole life isn't what isn't necessarily the life they need to keep living. There's so much possibility, and you don't have to, you know, it, it could be anybody. Um, you don't need any sort of like uh, innate sort of talent or skill to, to get good at this stuff. It just comes down to how bad you want it and, and what you're willing to go through to get it. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing. Courage, and like I said, fear is what, is what I t- tend to teach over the course of the weekend. The, the one thing that gets taught, I think, is how to deal with fear. And I will put all my guys through some very sort of scary situations, some, very, some situations that, that on paper would be, you'd think, wow, that's... I mean, they're all, they're all the same. They're all just talking to women and sort of getting outside of your um, comfort zone with women. But for the most part, that's, for most guys, that's, that's the scariest thing you can think of. So if they don't learn the lessons that I want them to learn by the end of the weekend, which is essentially how to deal with that fear, how to, how to feel that fear in their, you know, in their, in their body, in their brain, in their heart, and, and say, fuck it, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't give a shit, I'm going to go through with this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and that's, that's, that's the biggest thing, because that's the thing that's going to stick with them after the, after the weekend, is having the, the ability to check that fear, to say, no, fuck this. I'm not going to give in to this. I'm going to fucking do it because I'm not willing to be a slave to this fear any longer. And when you can do that, like I said, talking to women is the smallest thing. That tends to be the scariest thing for guys. And once they realize that they can overcome that fear, anything else becomes small potatoes compared to that. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that we teach in our in our in our seminar on on you know marketing uh, wise. Teaching guys how to attract women is the easiest to market in order to get them to our course. But I think, like I said, it has to do with dealing with fear. That's essentially what we teach, and that's what gets the biggest results outside of the boot camp. You know, the women will come, but it's those lasting lessons you learn about yourself and what you're capable of that truly change, you know, I think who you are as a person. Great, great words, um, and really applicable to most things in life. Uh, So, hey, Hey, Cajun, I've really enjoyed the conversation with you today, and um, it's been great catching up, and I hope to catch up with you soon. Me too, buddy. Nice talking to you, Angel. Thanks again. Yeah. This interview was brought to you by Dating Skills Review. Dating Skills Review is the Amazon.com of dating advice for men. If it exists, we have it. We help you find the best advice fast. So you can get good with women in months, not years. Find us at www.datingskillsreview.com.